Welcome to Lodl and our series Queer Conversation. In the studio with me today is Robin Kennedy. She is one of the 78ers and has co-authored a book, Camp. First of all, welcome, Robin. Thank you. Really happy that you are here and joining us. Talk to us about how this, this book came about and also about a play that uh, you are assisting at the moment to be produced for Sydney World Pride. Well, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you know, people think the first Pride March was in 1978, but it actually wasn't. The first public demonstration uh, for LGBT rights was actually in 1970. It happened in 1970 outside the Liberal Party headquarters in Sydney. And there were subsequent marches across the years in different capital cities uh, for pride, for gay, lesbian, trans rights. So there is this myth, really, that pride started in 1978, but it really didn't. It was much earlier than that because where did the people come from in 1978? They were the activists that had been working for several years and the primary organisation right from the beginning of that period, 1970, was CAMP. And this is what you named the book after. That's right. And what did CAMP stand for? It stands for the Campaign Against Moral Persecution. And of course, there's also other connotations for CAMP. So it was quite a catchy name. So it began in Sydney in 1970, but it very quickly spread to other capital cities. So it was in every capital city by about the end of 1972 and also uh, on many university campuses. So they were called camp uh, and on university campuses they were called campus camp. So there was really a, quite a network of activist organisations and they all operated in a fairly similar way. So social support was very important because it was hard to be visible, especially for lesbians. So social support was important. They did phone counselling, all kinds of activism and advocacy work printed publications that would go out to people maybe living in remote communities or like not out at all. And that was a very important lifeline because, of course, the internet didn't exist in those days. So printed material was a way of getting information. The, the main way of spreading messages were demonstrations. Is that right? Yeah, demonstrations. Uh, so that was about, well, a few things, visibility like just showing that we existed. There was really not much wrong with us. We looked pretty normal. Uh, a visibility and demonstrating uh, in favour of equality. So at that point in time, it was about decriminalisation of homosexuality, which was uh, still a crime in all states. Uh, also, uh, to uh, get included in anti-discrimination legislation because we were left out, of course, but all kinds of rights like inheritance and the things we see now that we actually have achieved, 
like custody and uh, fostering and all these kinds of things. We didn't have access to any of those at the time. So it was a campaign for equal rights. When <coughs> camp was set up, in uh, it was informal to begin with. So it was a but then it uh, became an incorporated organisation and it had an elected committee, so two coaches and an elected committee. And I went, became a member of that committee in about 1975. So, uh, and this was the case for other camps in other capital cities. They were actually formally constituted organisations with with elected committees. Camp had different histories depending on what city it was in. So in Sydney, uh, Camp was one of the main organisers of the Mardi Gras, but there were other groups also at that time like Gay Liberation, which tended to be more university-based. And so those organisations came together to uh, organise the first Mardi Gras. Uh, so we had a morning march on the 24th of June, 78, and then we had the Mardi Gras parade that night. So it was the work of the operational organisations, I guess, at the time. Uh, camp in Sydney changed after that. There was always a bit of tension in the organisation between the more political people and the people oriented a bit more to phone counselling and social activities. And it kind of blew up, really, after the Mardi Gras. And uh, the, most of the political people left <laughs> and we formed our own organisation, which was called the Gay Task Force. And then CAMP became the Gay Counselling Service and then formally uh, later incorporated with 2010. So it kind of still exists wow, in a way. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. And in other cities, it had different journeys. Some didn't go as long as Sydney. One went till 1990. Uh, so, yeah, different journeys depending on the local circumstances. Mm -hmm. And um, how did lesbians, how, how were lesbians involved with camp? Well, lesbians were involved right from the beginning. In fact, uh, when they became incorporated, they had two uh, co-presidents, one male, one female. The female was Sue Wills, uh, who recently passed away, but is featured in the book. We were able to interview her and uh, include her portrait photograph. It was a bit sad for us that uh, she passed away just before the book was launched, uh, but it was great to include her. And she was a very, very important figure in the history of lesbians in terms of their involvement in the Pride movement because she was uh, very outspoken, she was very articulate, uh, and she was a terrific leader. But in terms of the history of lesbian involvement in camp in Sydney, it went through ups and downs period. There was a walkout by the lesbians fairly early in its history, uh, mainly around issues of sexism and men not understanding uh, that there was, co there was common ground there in terms of the oppression of women and the oppression of homosexual people. They just kind of didn't get it. 
And also in those days, the women tend to be treated like the housewives, <laughs> expected to, you know, clean up the kitchen. So there were a couple of work walkouts during the early part of the 70s. But by the time I became involved in the mid-70s, that had settled down and women played a really, really vital role in the political activity of the organisation, uh, in terms of public speaking, uh, writing, producing the magazine. Uh, and we also had every week uh, a, a women's night, every Wednesday night. So we had premises. This was the last premises in Glebe, in Glebe Point Road. And on Wednesday nights, we would have women's coffee shop night. And so it was a very, very safe space. There was no signage outside. Women could come. And these were a lot of women who were just coming to terms with their sexuality. They didn't know anybody. So it was just an important place uh, to come, meet people, feel safe. And then they would be off and running. So it... It really served a terrific purpose. Mm. It's a, a historic part we really know very, very little about. And it is amazing and great that you decided to um, publish this book, which came out in September this year. And um, what motivated you doing this now? Well, the original motivation was that uh, we a couple of years ago, 2020, was marked 50 years since the establishment of camp in 1970. So we thought, well, we need to do some things to commemorate that. And then, of course, COVID <laughs> happened and we weren't able to do a lot of the projects. So we concentrated on the book because, okay, so that is something we can research, you know, in a remotely, interviews can be done remotely. Uh, but it did put the book back a bit because uh, our photographer couldn't travel to take the photographs and things like that, which is why, one of the reasons it took three years to actually do it. But, yeah, we were motivated to tell a history that hadn't been told before. Uh, so we wanted to tell the story of what happened before then. How did we get to 78? Who was involved in it? Who were important people? And for us, it was very, very important to tell the story of women because they're very absent from our history, even though they played a very key role, particularly in linking concepts of feminism to equality uh, of you know, people who are gay or lesbian or whatever. So um, we wanted to tell their stories. Uh, so we made sure that we tracked down lots of women because this is a national book, people that were in different uh, branches of camp. So that became a real focus as well. And so the book consists of profiles of people that were involved? Yes, that's right. There's 35 individuals are involved, about half women, and each tells their own story from their own personal ex experiences. So they were in different parts of Australia. Some of the experiences are pretty harrowing. Uh, there is one 
woman who uh, was sent to a facility called Chelmsford, which was a notorious facility, which was closed down eventually, but essentially had experimental techniques done to them. So she was subjected to electroconvulsive therapy without anaesthesia, which caused permanent injuries. She also subjected to what they call deep sleep therapy, which is basically putting someone in a coma for an extended period of time. Other people had, you know, were beaten or um, experienced discrimination, a whole range of experiences, but they tell it from their own perspective. And the one thing everyone says is camp saved their life because they had nothing positive before that because the media, society, religion, governments were all saying we were sick, perverted, evil, mentally disturbed. And that was the only information that we were ever hearing. And there were few organisations, camp being you know, pretty much the first national attempt to provide a supportive environment. There were very few venues, mm. particularly for lesbians. In fact, the gay bars wouldn't even let lesbians in most of the time. Um, and yeah, very negative media, no positive role models. So we needed to build our own community, our own supportive community. Uh, and that's what we did. Mm. And how can people purchase this lovely book? Uh, it's available from the publisher. Uh, so you can email the publisher. Uh, the email address is pridepublish at gmail.com. Uh, it's $49.95 plus postage. An amazing Christmas present, don't you think? It's absolutely amazing Christmas present. You have to get in early because we don't have too many left. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, um, and the next project, Robin, is that um, you are involved with the, um, a play that's being produced after this book um, camp or after the organization That's camp, right. yeah. um, which will be um, shown throughout uh, during World Pride. That's right. Yeah. And this, this was my idea as well. Um, because I was heavily involved in putting this together, obviously, and as I read stories of people, you know, I, I felt I was on this sort of emotional roller coaster. Like, oh, how great that that happened. They found this person. They found the love of their life or whatever. And then all the negative, horrible experiences, you know, people on the verge of suicide or losing friends to suicide, which was very common at the time. Uh, and I just thought, there's so much here. It's just a play. <laughs> so I had this idea that the material could be used uh, to be uh, presented in a theatrical format. And I was lucky enough to find some cre a creative team and get some funding to commission a playwright. And we uh, have part of the production funding raised, but we need some more money, donate, um, and buy tickets, buy tickets. Uh, but I just felt so inspired and I thought well here am I someone who actually knows this history to be so inspired 
I can just imagine people watching this and just thinking, I never knew that, and be carried away by the emotion of it, uh, as well as learning an important part of our history. So it's going to be on um, at the Seymour Centre. Uh, uh, we have 15 performances at the Seymour Centre, I think. Opening night is the 17th of February. We have two previews before that, and it runs through till the 4th of March. Mm, fantastic. And did the cast is all gay, all an LGBT cast? Uh, it is largely, yes, uh, as is our production team. So this is great queer theatre from every perspective. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Robin, um, and sharing your knowledge and introducing the book um, and display. And um, yeah, everyone watching, make sure you buy a Christmas present or and um, tickets for the play. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you enjoyed your conversation, make sure to follow us on our socials at Lottle Media. Or head over to our website, lotl.com, where you will find 30 years of lesbians on the Loose magazine digitized. My name is Silke Bader, and thank you for your company.